Hi, welcome to another episode of the Jabra Podcast. As always, I'm Victor. Hope you're having a good day. Um, like you know, on this podcast, we talk about the lived experiences of Nigerians in the diaspora. And we talk about this with the guest who shares their experience of living in the diaspora. And today, our guest, I'll let him introduce himself. Hi, good evening. My name is Jerry Chemeker. I'm Nigerian. And I'm a lawyer, a writer, journalist, communications executive, and film critic. So yes, I wear many hats. So good evening again. Hi, Chemeka. Nice to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Um, so um, how have you been? What have you been up to? Oh, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, as of the time of this recording, Another winter is looming, so I'm just trying to get warm, so I'm not caught on our ways like it was last year. Yeah. Um, again, navigating my day job as well as some freelance bits and just taking in the atmosphere, um, watching the weather from where I am. i seen it drop from 8 to 5 to 2 degrees and then having to figure out which jacket should I wear stepping out or should I wear gloves today? What kind of socks should I wear? Is the thick one or the light one? Should I go out with the beanie? What texture of beanie? When is the right time to get a pair of long johns? So it's these are the questions you ask. And then what kind of food do I eat? Um, how do I sort out gas bills? Because, of course, it's different with each season. And yeah. Just the rates differ with each city, depending on where you are. And, you know, again... I don't want to go into the energy crisis slash global warming debate, but yeah, it's a time of year where you will know <laughs> what your monthly rent is going into. So yeah. Yeah. I think I'm happy that I'm in a place where I don't have to pay a separate um gas bill. Everything is in my rent and it doesn't exactly change. But also because I live in a student housing, so I don't know how it is for people who are not students. But I'll say so, it's a lot of it's, money. It's, it's crazy for, I mean, first of all, I'm jealous of you. I hate you right now. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, for, for non-students, it's usually the experience, especially with things like transport and rent, is significantly different. For example, if you were in London and you were a student, maybe London or Luton or Manchester, here, students, you have access to real cards. And sometimes you have this um, specific cards that have you traveling for 50% of the usual price. But then when you come with a different visa, maybe like a school worker visa or a global talent visa like mine, you are paying the same thing as the rest of everyone, paying the same health insurance. And it's just those pecs simply don't exist. You are working and the crown is taking this pound of flesh. For me, the crowd is eating you up. I mean, yeah, you came to our country, you are seeking out the snow, and so we will yank this one up. So on the 31st or the 28th or whenever, you see your pay slip, and then you start grimacing, you start frowning because you know what's supposed to enter, but then you know what really enters after the crown has done its thing. Like, oh, damn. Since you should have been like, 3,000 pounds, but now it's going to be, say, 
2,200 or 2,500 or whatever, just because a lot is going into. And the trick is on the pyramid, you think earning more will ease the burden, but actually, the more you earn, the more you get taxed. Yeah. It's almost like, hmm, what do I do? There's that quandary. So it's an interesting time of year. And it's, I think the effect of autumn and winter is not just financial, but also psycho-emotional. But I guess we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get into that. So let's really get into it. How did your journey to the UK start? Of course, I read your article, which is what started this whole process, where you the article you wrote, I can't remember the title right now, but it's about the loneliness you feel in the UK. And of course, in that article, you had mentioned something about Okay, now I, I just opened the um, article. The title says, I never imagined the depth of loneliness I would feel when I, I left Nigeria for London. And of course, okay. you talked about feeling lonely in the UK. And you mentioned something about the answers and how it's kind of propelled you to leave Nigeria. So let's talk about that. Okay. How did um, the journey start for you? At what point during the end process, answers process did you decide, okay, I'm done. I'm leaving this place. Okay. So first off, the title you saw was actually, I mean, it was more the decision of the publication. My initial title of that thing was something more poetic, more catchy. I titled it Heading Out West on my head with Heading Out West on my headphones on, which, well, I drew from the lyrics of a song called Quillo, California, which would have worked. That'd have been cute, that'd been quirky and catchy. But then publication had their reasons, I guess, they were trying to tweak it to the audience, which still worked because yeah. I heard the articles. I had I had the articles well received. Um I so let me say something. Uh, in a bit in a world where everybody's looking for clickbait, I think this works better than what you had in mind. But what you have in mind is actually a very sweet article um titled <laughs> But I hear I mean when you when you put it like that, yes I hear you. And like I said, it works because I think I, I shared the link on my Instagram and boom, you know, lots of views and Someone actually reached out to me on LinkedIn saying they had seen it on, I think probably the person is a subscriber to the iPaper and they saw it and they're like, oh yeah, this is really hit home and they loved it. I had in mind, I had about 1,500 words, but then they slashed it to 800, but again, it still worked. So um, about my journey um, to the UK and where I decided that I was done. I've seen my friends leave in droves since 2016. I kept leaving. I kept leaving. But I really didn't care much. I mean, we'd all joke about, yo, jackpot, hey, maybe we'll try to get proof of phones. You know how it could be? Oh, is it Canada? Is, is it UK? Is it Europe? Then it wasn't so expensive to get a block account to Germany. Um, people left on certain visas. The economy wasn't as um, chaotic as it is now. Yeah. Talking about the economy, by the way. And then um by 2020, I just started feeling the sense of disillusionment, like, oh, are you sure I'm not doing Nigeria like this? And obviously the fact that my friends were leaving and didn't make it easier. More people left. I attended about three um farewell parties in the early part of 2020, just before the world shut down. And then I was in a very terrible place emotionally during the lockdown. Um, again, I mean, certain details, but point was my anxiety spiked and I just felt more 
disillusioned. I was, you know, there's a lot of dissociation, yeah. dysregulation. And I was like, maybe, maybe, just maybe, it was time to just seek new adventure. Um, and then, so it was in August 2020, I started processing an international passport for the first time. Yes, before August 2020, I did not have an international passport. So I started processing that for the first time. And then, NSAS happened now. On while the protest was, you know, heat um at this heated point, I had opted to go to Lekki instead of Surulere because yeah, in Surulere there was a lot of police intimidation. And I think that was where they dragged Oxlade manager on the floor and then he sustained sustained a brain injury. In the Keja, there was a lot of tear gas, um, water hosing. Yeah. So I decided to go to Lekki. Being that, oh, it's to be safe. It's where um, it's like the bougie place. It'll be music and all that. I had to make a choice as to whether to go on the nineteenth or the twentieth. I remember what led informed my decision, but I decided to go on the nineteenth. I went, raised placards, so it was barricading. But we did our thing. I went home. I lived. I lived in Syria at the time. And on the 20th, I wanted to go out again, but for some reason, I can't exp- I just don't know what happened, but I changed my mind. I decided not to go anywhere. I stayed home. And then all of a sudden, I'm following the news. I'm hearing the curfew. I'm hearing about lights going out. I'm hearing about the shooting. I'm seeing the Instagram live land. For the rest of October, I became very paranoid. I was sleeping with a knife under my bed. So if I had... At the door, I would just, you know, it was crazy. And then there was a lot of gas lights. And um, the arrests, obviously, the bigotry that followed on social media, Bwari coming out with that speech talking about the people who tried to overthrow me. So I just said, there's no need. This place doesn't care about you. Find your way. And then I started taking my MFA applications seriously, MFA and creative writing. Um, so yeah, and also just got around to writing the IELTS exams. I got an eight over 10 and just started pushing and nice. pushing. Sorry, missed that. I said nice. I mean, about the um, IELTS. The IELTS, right? Yeah, yeah, and just started pushing. So start making applications to the US and the United Kingdom. Um, the ones the US fell through, I got lots of rejection emails. Now, in 2021, I got five admission letters from different universities in the UK, but I didn't get the funding required. So that fell through. And then in 2022, something happened where I was working. to the very, I can't go into the details now, but it's, it's left me feeling humiliated. Like, am I really going to keep facing this? Not so you want to be. So, like, you know yeah. what? Pocket, I will really need to leave this year. Obviously, it's 2022. Um, something happened in my dad's farm back home in Delta. Yeah, you mentioned that in the article. Yeah, I did. I did. It, imagine in 2020, the world is falling apart. My dad, at the time, 60, 64, you know, starts a corn farm. He's planting corn, he's planting 
upwards. Just you know, just something to make him not sedentary and also make a little money. After yeah. a year, he starts making some profits, selling some of the corn. And then one day I'm in the office. I was working as a communications officer at United Capital. And then my dad sends me um some short videos. Apparently, Fulani headsmen had gone to his farm and they had just destroyed everything. And probably possibly the only reason my dad wasn't harmed was that he wasn't at the farm. He wasn't at the farm, yeah. He wasn't at the farm. So if he was at the farm, I'm sure he would have wanted to stop them, then they would have shot him and all that. So while I was happy that I was alive, just and I, I could feel the disappointment in tone of his text, like you know, all he has worked for and destroyed. Now, someone in the neighborhood farm had faced a similar um experience, and then that person took up arms to defend his farm. So the Fulani Esmen came again, and dad's neighbor warded that one off with guns. Guess who got arrested for possession of firearms? Oh no. Yes. So it's that kind of thing where and it it, it is is a situation that plays a situation that plays out even in the middle belt. These guys are coming at you just ravaging all you have and all you own. And then when you decide to defend yourself, that's when the law enforcement swoops in and pounces on you. So there's all of that going on. And mind you, my father had never really been cool with the idea of my, me migrating. He has always thought, oh, you can make it in Nigeria. And yeah. you know, and by 2020, I had kind of started seeing some money. My book had come out. It was doing well commercially. I'd started getting like proper gigs and we would always argue about it. But after that headsman incident and then the way things played out in the political scene in 2022, we were just like, you know what? Nigeria's going to the dogs. As it is, if you want to leave, start. Start leaving. And I threw my tray hats in the ring for the Global Talent Visa and I got an endorsement from the Arts Council and yeah, rest is history. Okay, I don't even know where to begin I, because it's your response is such a packed response and it's first this Pulani um, Hetzman thing. You know, those are the things you read in the news and you actually don't know who it has happened to. And then I can see you basically mentioning that your father's spam was affected. Of course, I read it in your article. I think now here you say it's a bit different. And now you also mentioned the neighbor who was now punished for defending his farm and his property. And mm-hmm. it's, it's such a sad thing to actually put, I don't, I really, I really, I'm struggling to process all of it. And now you also talk about, you talked about the answers. Yes. Um, I remember, do you know, it's one of those things that you can't really forget. The day the protest started, I was actually in Ikeja. I had gone to, oh, wow. for something, I can't remember what it was, but I, I had gone to, for something I can't remember, but I couldn't finish my trip because the way people, I just saw people on the street. I wasn't, I, I really didn't know the protest that because I heard it was going to start, but I know it's like, maybe it wasn't going to be that serious. And everywhere was, yes. yes. there was and no way to get around. And I remember going home and then it kept on building momentum and then things were happening. And then that tweet, I didn't go for any of the protests, by the way, because I didn't feel safe and I didn't, Valid, valid reason. I mean, it's it's a good thing. It doesn't make you oh scared or what. It just you simply didn't feel safe. And I mean, 
we see all that happened and all that has been happening. And we see it's almost like those who give their lives did that for nothing. So yeah, uh. on that twentieth October, I remember too because I had slept off. It's because it was a normal day. I had slept off, and then I woke up. And immediately my phone was ringing. It was one of my closest friends. And he, he had sent me a link, the one from the DJ. What's the her name? I can't remember her name right now. And I remember checking switch, it. DJ Switch. DJ Switch. DJ Switch. And I remember checking it and seeing that video and dropping my phone with from the shock of it. Because it felt like a movie. And I had to stop the video. And I called him. And I'm like, was this acted because it was just so unimaginable that we could be witnessing something like that on Instagram live of all places it's it was and the friend in question had actually just left the venue shortly before the whole thing happened the one that called me and sent me the link this was it's and I have a friend who lost a friend on that day too so it's like one of those things you cannot really forget because even though I didn't go to the protest I was online all the time i was seeing how people were affected by it i read the news and it's three years down the run it's so heartbreaking and that's actually i've done i still making plans to live by the, con- the country at the time so that's one of those things that made me think you know what i have to shall leave yes definitely yeah. you, start, you, have to, you have to start making plans not you know whatever it takes somehow and you find that the longer you wait, so for example, it was easier to live in 2019 than 2020. By 2021, it got harder. It is harder right now, you know. Mm. Anyone, who has, anyone who hasn't lived by December, especially with all the free fall, the Naira is on, I'm just amongst other things. So you come like there's nowhere to turn. Like there's some, you know those movies where there's some, there's a crane falling to the ground and every. The, the protagonist is trying to get right on them. Yeah. And then he wants to hold out for his friend and point it shuts down and you're on the opposite side. So Nigeria almost feels like that. Like, oh, those who want to leave but haven't left yet, go off your tracks. I'm talking about those who really want to leave, you know. Just gets just trickier and without without us going on, it's it's easy to fall into despair. It's really, really easy. And I just don't want to, you almost don't want to think about it. And and I mean, it doesn't matter if you were at the gate or not. There's a lot of trauma. I think Nigerian youths are processing this collective trauma that will not go anywhere anytime soon. Because just where does he want to even go to? Because, you know, you can't even hold on to any layer of hope. Like there's nothing, you know, as much as Ensa's protest was hard to witness, there was something about it that was that raised some sort of hope because it's for the yeah, first yeah. time you're witnessing the whole country, or at least the youth of the whole country, taking a stand that everybody agreed to. And then it felt like everybody had one mind. It felt like there was hope. And there's this hope that maybe this is a time the government will eventually listen. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, people die. Nobody is taking responsibility. And then the government doesn't do anything. And as sad as it may be, people are still getting arrested by people who sometimes, because I've seen people tweet like that they were intercepted by SARS people here and there. And yes. the thing is, like, you know, the thing about the SARS is that 
I don't think there's any person in Nigeria who has never had an experience with SARS people that is young. Uh, Even if you don't have any direct experience, you have friends who have had experience with them. Anybody that's above, you know, anybody, sorry, anybody below, anybody below 50 has had a brush, either you or your friends. I think between 2017 and 2019, I had two direct encounters and then one indirect one where imagine someone who with you know qualifications with I think May 2017, I'm just going to drink with one of my writer friends. And I was coming back and boom, they picked me up. I think the only reason it didn't really um I didn't stay long was that one I was on my phone, I quickly tweeted and went on Facebook, you know, rallied my community. And then by 8 a.m. the following morning, like six lawyers were already at Dolphin Station already. So we're shaking them up. 2018, I was going to a party at the Kedja, friend and I. Oh, where I could go in club. And they held us there. I mean, Uber money bonds for about what, 30 minutes. Oh, we put our lawyers in here. 2019, and the, this was the craziest one. A friend of mine had just come back from a vacation in the US. His, his Igbo was also his light skin. And then his friend is a music producer who's on dreads. It took them, I don't know how familiar, oh yeah, familiar with Lagos, come on. Imagine yes, being taken yeah. from Chevron Drive to Panty while your car is on handbrake by 12 midnight. You are there, you're put in a cell that is dingy, smelling of pee. And then midway through at 3 a.m., police call you start negotiating. The money goes from 500000 to 200000 and then finally gets to 20000 And then a policeman escorts you, in quotes, to an ATM, tells you to put your debit card inside to withdraw money with a gun to your back. Not a robber, a policeman is telling you to do that. It's 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 such a sad thing. Of course, like you you know, I've never had like my only experience is the fact that I've been in a bus and they searched everybody. And while I was living in Delta State, at least I on my way to the school that where like where I taught literature, I would meet such people on the road. On my way back home, there's somewhere on, on the street where I lived. It was like, why are this? Why can how am I seeing police officers on the road? For a journey that it's less than 30 minutes, two times at two different ends, it didn't make sense. And of course, I have friends who have been intercepted very late at night at different places. I had a friend who was on his way to work. He couldn't go to work anymore because he had long hair. They took 50k from him and the other friend he was with. I have a friend that was caught somewhere in the middle of the night going to a party. No, had an appointment. He was going to meet someone, somewhere in Ikeja. He paid about 100k before he could leave. He was in an Uber yeah. too. So it's like, we knew these things. I had a friend, they drove this friend around. This guy was actually in Lagos at the time. They arrested him for nothing. They didn't collect any money eventually because he said he didn't have money. But this guy was somewhere around phase one. They drove him as far back as Aja and still brought him back. Basically, they were trying to negotiate. Imagine going from phase one and going to the mainland. Now you are going towards Aja in a police van. And this is someone that has not been in Lagos for up to a year. It's been just there for a couple of weeks or maybe months. Yeah. It's it's crazy. But let's not get so much into SARS and all of that. But it's really sad that it's part of the reality that Nigerian youth have to live with. 
Now let's talk about, because you mentioned your father was not very comfortable with the idea of you leaving the country mm-hmm. to build a mm-hmm. life for yourself or basically try to, something like that. So what I'm asking here is, how did you have that conversation? At what point did you think he relaxed or was it a case of maybe I'm an adult, I'm going to do whatever I want to do? No, everyone, I mean, um, I'm 32 at the moment. We've been having that conversation since 29. There's always that whole, okay, at some point, and it'll be like, you shut it down, like, oh, and Lagos, your money's coming now, you know, don't approve, don't, if you go over, you have to start again, you'll be some classes in, in another man's country, honestly, you're building a career here now, things are taking shape as a writer, as a lawyer, and it was, it was a passive conversation, but it was always that every once in a while, yeah, yeah, it was happening. Oh, I'd rather you do your master's or your PhD rather here in Nigeria compared to, you know, just going away and starting afresh. But then, like I said, the social political terrain in Nigeria just, well, just got worse and things degenerated. I think it was having a random conversation in early 2020 and we were just like, oh, sure, you were talking about traveling. Why don't you just consider it right now? You know, do you have any, is there anything in the pipeline like you, he was the one that now propped it up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm working on stuff. So he does say, okay, fine, you can go. And I think it was that, it was the moment of realization like, oh, okay, maybe Nigeria has fallen apart. Maybe this turn apart, it seems it will make sense if someone is going over, you know, the ocean yeah. and being the place where at least, it's, at the very least, for all its flaws, the UK has good foreign exchange, so maybe there's something there. Maybe there's something to tap into. You know, a place to harness your potential, to earn good money, send good money. Just a combination of factors. So it's just like, okay, yeah, my blessings. You can go now. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that makes sense. And it must be sad for a parent to also come to that point where they are suggesting something they would have disapproved of. Yeah, that is that is correct. Because do you know how and this my dad is a very pra- pragmatic man. He is, I mean, like I said, this his is he'll be sixty-seven, you know, a couple of weeks. So he's seen everything. He's seen the war, he's seen people who have migrated and come back. He knows how these things play out. And obviously, your parents, to a fair extent, for all their quirks, they know better. So they'll probably have a reason they are telling you, oh, don't do this. Things don't always work out like this. I've seen this. So I this is why I think you should do this. So for them to, you know, African parents are now, you know, bridges yeah. their principle. So for them to cave in, it means that they have seen something that is beyond any form of delusion of hope, like, oh, this is bleak. This, you know, triggers despair. There is nothing from here. We're just going down. Yeah. You know what? Jump off this ship before it sinks. So it's it's just where we are. I mean, and obviously, some of their sixes is nothing they're migrating. They've lived more than half their lives. So probably just see how their days, the next 10, 20 years they have left back home, you know. It's then you who's in your 20s or your 30s or even, I mean, you find that even, I've seen people in their early 40s 
make the move, sell everything. You know, these are people who are bank managers. They're comfortable, but they then sell sell landed property across multiple cities. They come here and then start from Fresh. scratch. Yeah, I was going to even ask you about the eighth thing because, and you mentioned it, the last job I did in Nigeria was a banking job. And I remember the day I told um, my colleagues that I was leaving, one of them told me she was leaving. So she had not announced to the other people because, but she had, at the time she had gotten a visa, she got a PR to Canada. I remember she mm-hmm. said I should keep it to myself because she's not ready to share with you the rest of the groups, but that she mm-hmm. was going to leave soon. And this one, of course, she she had worked in banking for over 15 years, about 15 years, at least over 10 years, I'm certain. So it's like people are living at different age ranges. And you mentioned in your article again that about your age. So I'm wondering, being that you know that you are in your in your early 30s or at least 30 by the time you start making the move, I wonder mm-hmm. what was going on in your head at the time. Of course, you know that you know how the the um the business world is sometimes it's easier to get into a career when you're at a younger age. There are certain mm-hmm. things that may not be able to open to you if you're at a certain age. And of course, like you said, things are beginning to take shape for you at work, and now you are planning to leave. So it's, the question is, what was going on in your head at this time? What was, did you have? It was, for me, it was, it was tricky. I won't lie. There was a lot going through. Obviously, you're, you're 29, 30, 31. You have, because I moved from Delta to Lagos at the age of 24. Took me a while to break even, to afford rent, to start making money, to start just getting myself out of there. Try a book, get a gig, just build my portfolio. I have from law to communications. Finally get a stranglehold on this and that. Oh, now you want to be. So you're thinking, if you, if you move at 31 or 32, how long will it take before you then take root where you're going? Might be 35, might be 36. Are you going to have to do a master's degree again? Will your experience count for anything? And if it doesn't, how long will it take for you to get relevant certification, build relevant experience? Do you have transferable skills? How about the not so small matter of your love life? When do you start you know, just really putting your head down? Will you, will you have time to even think of starting a family? By the time you're done with these things of finally putting one foot and then another on the ground, how will you be? Will you be 40? Will you be 45? How much strength do you have? Won't you be jaded by the time, you know? Yeah. So it's, it, it's a lot of questions, but then it, it's very easy to access all these questions and pull back. And like I said, it takes, is so it's a blend of one determination on one hand, desperation on the other hand, and then just looking around you and realizing that, see, nothing there, bros. Just go. And it's also, it's indicting on the state of things in Nigeria. Yeah. You how, how, you know how bad it has to be someone who's at mid-level or senior level to turn back and jump. I mean, even that's, you're in, you're in Europe. I'm in the UK. There are those in North America. This need that. It's not perfect. I mean, tax, you know, the racial bits, stereotyping. Yeah. Even the white collar bits, you have to fight how to break in. Someone in a graduates um, from a university completes a master's degree and then 
you are in the job market with about, say, hundreds of other Africans. And then you also have the Asians to, you know, contend with. So all of you are scrap, you know, scrap, scrapping for limited, limited, limited amount of vacancies, really. And yeah, all these things, you on the one hand wonder, oh, 35, I'm 36, I'm 32. Do I have the strength to do these things? But then you look, you you look over your shoulders behind and you see everywhere in flames, <laughs> you know. And you're like, oh, fine, you know, fuck it, I have it. Yeah. You you are opting for minimum wage just because of where you come from. So it's like I said, it's an indictment on Africa, it's an indictment on Nigeria. It's it, 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 I think in the article you referenced, I made um there's a line that talks about running from Hades. Yeah. So it's, you know how it feels when, where you're coming from feels like hell. I hate to make that reference, you know. I don't like running with the cliche of, oh, you know, Shola Shabuale with the wine glass, new dispensation. I don't come on, go punish. I don't do that. But as a professional, as a creative, you at some point, it, it can only take so much. You get to a point where you're tired of being stifled by your environment. You are at the mercy of a boss who doesn't, who, you know, gaslights you, just makes you feel stupid. You're like, why am I ever taking this nonsense from this person? And you just start rolling your eyes. Um, again, it's not perfect. I see, I see some nonsense here too, but at the very least, there's something to hold on to. You can get on a train without worrying that a bus will come from left of nowhere and crash into you. So. Yeah, I think, th okay, first of all, I don't know how you do it, but then of course you're a writer. So I think you, your words finally end up creating very clear pictures that can be so sad sometimes. <laughs> and then in your response, you said something about the not so big, but still important thing about love life. Will I be praying if I ask anything about that? Because I imagine that for you to have brought it up, maybe you were maybe in a relationship at the time or... About bombing, shoot, 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 shoot at me. Yes, I had to, and I'll just um, put it forward here. I had to leave someone I was seeing. Just, oh, no. Yeah. Um, not, so wasn't, wasn't immediate. It was like, okay, I am going on the plane at this last time. It was more like, oh, this is going to be harder. It's might be this. And you think you are going to keep in touch. And then when the winter is hitting, you are wrapping yourself with the muffler they gave you just to stay warm. You're trying all the video calls. And when you're cooking, you're doing all the, you know, the long call bits and you're asking them about the menu. So you're holding on for dear life. But then the strain comes in, becomes two hours, becomes four, it becomes a whole day without texting, just, again, it's, uh, <laughs> you get it. <laughs> yeah. You get it. And it, it hurts, it hurts, but it hurts at both ends. I mean, if you could, you um, manufacture a split screen where you can see the other person's face, you would see that they're hurting too, and you're hurting, and they can't see you're hurting as well. But there's nothing you can do because you are not, I mean, you're also navigating your own emotions, dealing with, first winter you are at the edge of maybe frostbites you step out one day you forget your gloves and you're feeling numb 
And the, then is um, you're not in you're not in the Kedja where you can walk into a bar and you and some random will bond over Arsenal winning the game. Yeah, this is the West. People here are insular, they're self-absorbed. Nobody's smiling back at you on the train. Oh, in Berlin, someone's smiling at me. But yeah, in London, no one's smiling at you back on the train. So nobody cares. It's very, very individualistic society. That, that communalism is not there. And you mentioned something earlier on where people, you hear about the cold and the loneliness, but it's like, it's like toothache. Until you experience it, you will not be able to appreciate the dimensions of it. Yes. So I could explain from now till 2030, until you come and you see it and you're on the streets and you walk into Asda and you're the only black person across six aisles. And then you step out, it's minus two degrees and you're walking and it's the silence is silence is slapping your head. So you experience it. There's no way you can explain to someone that would make sense. You understand Igbo, right? Uh, well, I understand, but I don't speak. Okay, so you, you know how what people say, I don't know if you've heard anybody at least say na oi kurumada for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cold. When I hear it in, I mean, in Nigeria, it doesn't make sense. But it was one day I was grocery shopping and I'm like, I could feel my stomach fill to the brain and I can tell you it's cold that is filled. I, like it, it was so clear. It was, I was like, it makes sense now. Like the first, I came around March. So when I came, it wasn't very cold, but it was even too cold for me because why am I this cold? And like you said, it's a lot of things to be honest. And you mentioned about your relationship. For between 2020 and 20, and I and the time I left, I made sure I didn't get into any relationship. When I met someone I was talking to them, I would tell them I was planning to leave because I wasn't willing to even give it a Oh, look at you. Look at you being so considerate. Oh, I, so wish nice. I, I wish I would pretend that I cared so much about the other people as much as I care for myself. Because I the reality is that <laughs> I knew that if things go wrong, I would be there, distant from them and Whatever the situation, I think they, they are going to get more support because they have their friends and I don't have it, which is why we are going to also be talking about because we're supposed to talk about loneliness, we've talked about so many other things, but what we are supposed to talk about. Now, you wrote your article about loneliness, and I'm wondering at what point did it hit you? You know, there's one thing about coming, okay, I'm alone, but it's one thing to also realize this is not just being alone, this is about being lonely. At what point in the process did it hit you? How long have you been in the UK for before it hit you? Okay, for I moved in October 2022. I was with still at the friend's house for like six weeks, so you know, he's me in, we'll go shopping together. Um, every once in a while, he would go see his girlfriend, now wife. Um, and yeah, yeah, not not all things have sad endings, some people actually end up with the love of their lives, so yes. yes, um. I think for me, the point is where, so before I got a proper job, I did like two months in a warehouse and um, I, yeah, I met a very interesting Congolese girl. Just nice banter, you know, oh, you Nigerians, but bullies with the Afrobeat thing and yes, you know, superiority. So nice banter. I think I, 
I think it was a point I was like, hey, Belinda, please, yeah? Just call me. I'm not saying, I don't want, I'm not trying to start anything. I'm not trying to, you know, who you ask you are. There's no reason here. Just call me. Let me hear someone's voice. Like, please. <laughs> There's no reason here. Oh my God, you didn't just say I that. I was begging someone to just, just call. Just let me hear a voice. Let me just know. Let me know that it's not, I'm not in the ghostly room. Just call me. Let me just hear a voice. So send a VN, anything. So I was, it was I don't we done with the shit. I was just begging this person to call me. Don't, I wasn't asking her for a date. I wasn't just, please, let me just hear a voice or something. And I think I was three months in on the case like, okay, it's really hits. Because when you step in, obviously you're trying to catch up with friends abroad and everybody's, you know, you're telling them, sending them pictures of yourself wearing winter jackets. But at some point, your friend just wears out and you're facing your thing. And they are also facing, you can't keep calling them every time. Um, I think seven years ago, there was someone who had moved to Canada a few months prior and they were calling. And I was thinking that they were feeling me, not knowing that now I'm here. I'm like, okay, they were probably bored. <laughs> That's yeah. why. They're probably like that they're calling me all the time. So not necessarily that they had fallen in crush and lost. So I was at that headspace where you just want to talk to anybody. And the tricky thing with, you know, I'll talk about Sunday nights and rain and cold. Winter has, winter takes that thing to a different dimension. You will make the wrong decisions because of the winter. Like, Tell you will get yourself. I can write a book. I can write a book. <laughs> you will get yourself in shit that you're not supposed to. Just because it's like my for you, you will say things. You will again. I, I don't want to go into this because yeah, uh, but it, you will almost make some wrong decisions. So it's it messes with your head. I do not know. And and I mean, I'm very open with my struggles with mental health. I am a survivor, in quotes, of depression. So I don't even know. I didn't have multiple meltdowns when I moved here. I, I was expecting because if you were battling depression before you came here, that means exactly. I was I'm, I was supposed to have multiple meltdowns. Like I don't know how it did, but yeah, there were points where, uh, um, yeah, you feel yourself losing your mind, and you know where people talk about how when you start scaling and polishing your teeth the enamel gets weaker, so your teeth become sensitive. In the same vein, your emotions kind of become a bit more brittle. So you feel things more. If someone hangs up on you, you feel it more. Um, something happened. So I moved into an apartment in December. My flatmate, I met my flatmate, is an in, well, former flatmate now because I moved again. Yeah, they wrote the story too, or a different one. A different one. Okay. A different one, not Rory. Had a flatmate, Indian lady, very smart person. Um, not bonded, you know, go downstairs, cook in the kitchen. I'll tell her about Nigeria. She'll tell me about India. During Christmas, I grilled chicken for the entire house. She loved it, you know. So I felt there's a vibe from chemistry, you know. Obviously, you don't want to push it too much because again next doors that's very awkward i don't yeah. i don't roll like that but i travel for a week and she doesn't text me at all and i feel it normally i mean yeah lagos 
personal text, you know, send now, talk, you know, but then yeah. it hits you harder. You're like, I thought we we're friends. I thought we had it. I thought, I thought we had, there was this bond. I thought, so come back from Berlin. And yeah, I say it in jest, but I make my feelings I'm like, you didn't text me. Why? You know, a year to a year, two years ago, I wouldn't, I mean, I won't bother. Yeah. We're just neighbors who are chilling on our text together. But then, like I said, you feel everything now. Every time you swipe and you're unmatched, you feel it. Every time you go on a date and then they ghost you, you start questioning your own desirability. So it's almost like it's hitting you extra. So, so the winter has a way of kind of stripping you know, some sort of emotional coating. So everything is touching you now. <laughs> Because it's just extra, you know you're extra sensitive. Yes, you know, they say that there's, I mean, I hear things like um, winter um, depression here. And it's a thing because why wouldn't you be depressed? First of all, the weather is getting cold by, I'd be dark by 5 p.m. Why? And then there's nothing to do. It's so cold. You can't even go out for fresh air. Sometimes you can't even open your window because you're cold. Try it, try it, try it. Your lips will be chapped. What are you going to do? <laughs> Except you're able to find things to keep yourself busy, you're going to be mm-hmm. during the winter season. And even when you find something to keep yourself busy, like they say in Nigeria, but you know, be firewood. You are stressed yes. from work. You want to relieve stress in other kind of ways. And you're like, of course. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? There's nobody to, you're single, there's nobody to, it, it's it's crazy. So it's, it, it makes sense to want to make some bad decisions. And you're like, why am I doing You will make bad decisions. You Why will. am I doing this? And like you said, everything can become too sensitive. Like someone says something, you're trying to misinterpret it. What are they you, saying? Fact, as a matter of fact, it, it goes both ways. Someone maybe someone has your someone has your text. You start wondering, did I did I double text? What have I done? Like, am I not enough? And on the other hand, someone is nice to you and like, oh, is this you start. Um, you, your head runs an intermission like it's an Indian film, like, okay, there's a vibe here. So you're just, it's delusional, but again, you're extra sensitive. Like, sensitive. okay, that would be very, I almost cracked a very bad joke. But yes, you're extra sensitive. So you're yeah, I see what you mean. It's, it's, <laughs> and also it's like, you know, because like you mentioned with your Indian friend, I've had people, you have a good convo with them. When I was in Austria, I met this guy. I stayed in a hotel for the first week I came. So we met in the Papa hotel. Cash money. I don't know about yeah. that. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we met there. Basically, I was actually in the lobby, pressing my phone. This guy, American, but he's, I think Chinese. Also, is it Taiwanese or Chinese? I'm not sure which one now. He started making a conversation because it was just both of us. Yes. I, I engaged him. We had a long conversation. We, I even stopped pressing my phone. We spoke for about two hours or so. The next day, he said, he suggested we go out, out together. We went for this um, indoor climbing activity. Everything oh, was cool. Okay. I left the place like a day or two after. He also left. When he found his house, okay, we actually went to check out some houses he was considering. So in my mind, we have, we have friends, right? And then we, I moved. He moved to his own new place. Then I texted him. After a while, because we've not, I've not heard from him. I thought I needed to get a laptop. I got it from his Amazon account. So I thought we are friends. After like a week or two, I didn't hear from him. I texted him. This guy never responded. Oh, do you know that that see, if you see, I will, I will, I will, I will. 
Okay, I may not wake. I may not wake up by one a.m. and go naked, but of course you're like, why will you put me on that vibe? And I mean, I used your accounts. We went check yeah, the house. Everything and, in my mind, I'm like, but this is it. because it's like I thought we got that close. I mean, I don't think. Of course, it's not a sexual relationship. There was nothing. It's like these are things you're supposed to do because you don't take mm-hmm. just your day to go and see a house you are considering. Yes. Do you know, actually cooked the first time I cooked in Nigeria, I invited him over. He came and oh, such, such bonding. The cooking part reminded me of a scene in all the colors of the world that are between black and white. What? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, because again, because I thought that was the vibe we're on. Because this person, I needed to get a laptop. It was like I have an Amazon account. You know, he bought it even before. You know how. He wasn't scared I was going to dupe him. He paid for it. He told me I was going to bring the money for him to, for him. So I was like, this person at least trusts me. And I thought, do something I cooked. I said, let me appreciate, be a nice friend, offer something in return. I invited him, he ate the food. We kept in touch. We didn't just talk for a while. And I was like, let me text mm-hmm. him. He never replied. Until now, I never heard from him. Yeah, you'll be asking yourself, like, is that common? And this is not when coming on too strong is not always in a romantic context, it also happens in like interpersonal, just basic friendship. Like, was I texting? You'll be asking yourself, was am I am I too much? Am I too intense? Like, exactly. You'll start asking, you'll be in the mirror, like, uh, did I so and it kind of affects the way you approach the next person because. Now, I think someone actually told me I was too much eventually, and it's crazy. But then eventually, the guy came back to apologize later that I was going through something. But I'm also like, because when you say too much, what does it mean to be too much? I thought you, we are friends, we've met a few times, gone out together for drinks and all of that. And I texted, he said he was going to try, he said he was going to come by my place. I didn't see him. I texted him, he said he was sick. And it was COVID. I was like, okay, no, wahala. I told me around that also that he was going to travel later, blah, blah, blah. When he now traveled, after a while, I texted him to ask if he was back from his trip and if he felt better. As per good friends, someone I've met, we've hung out a few times. And it was like, that he doesn't, that he, while he appreciates me checking up on him, that he thinks maybe, um, how did he phrase it? That even his friends don't check up on him that much. I'm like, Okay, why are your friends in this conversation? Even if you thought I was checking up on you too much, you tell me, but why are you bringing your friends? I don't know what kind of friendship you have. Because I thought if I had a friend, they traveled, I'm going to check on on them, to know how their trip went, to also know because their friends said they were sick, to know if they were feeling better. So I stopped texting him. All of a sudden, one day, this man texts me to say he was sorry that he was going through a depressive state. I'm like, yeah. Awesome. I'm not responsible for that either, but it's 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 really crazy trying to figure out find a balance between navigating relationships when you're out of the country. What what is okay to do? Well, in well, well, it, and, environment I think it's 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 a part of culture shock. You tell you about you know like back home, you go text a guy, you can call you can call your guy out of the blues and all that. But here, you will have to text and you know ah okay. Let me know if I can I. It, let me know if I can call. Became a regular line for me. Like, can I call? You know, is it a good time? What what works? You, you know, back on me, we're free now. As long as I have your number, boom, WhatsApp. I can pop. Oh, I'm at a go and a leg bar. I will take one Uber. I'm at your house. We drink, we go. It's so 
it's what is those cultural nuances that also make it a little difficult to settle it because then you're not sure after you've been burned once or twice, like in your case and in mine, you're not sure how to approach the next person. You're not even you almost forget how to start conversations. It's like, okay, how do I even frame this thing? I think this person is cool, but I don't want them, I don't want to repel them. So how do I? So you almost, and if you're like me, an introvert, you will join to your show. And that's what happened to me. Yeah. After, after being ghosted twice, or eight, and after the whole incident, the Indian not texting me, we moved out. I didn't text everyone. Well. I mean, we're good now, but I was, you know, my feelings at the time. I just, we, I just, I, I mean, became a total recluse for at least three months. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to start any friendship. That I didn't want anybody telling me that I was too intense. So. A state yeah. of my own. It's not healthy, but it's sort of a defense mechanism until I mean I threw myself into work, distracting myself at work until slowly I started trying to it's I think it's now I'm slowly trying to put myself out there. Again. Maybe meet up meet up with an old couple in church, talk to someone you met at your friend's wedding, you know, wear shots at Notting Hill Carnival, get high. Get bundled in an Uber by your friends, come home, just slowly getting back out there after. So it's and it it takes a long, it takes a longer time for some people to adjust compared to others. For example, it might take in two years. Especially where you are you're you you brought anxiety from home. Someone is not stressing you here. Ah, you will just you will lock the cage, boom, throw the key away, and then I take a while to then bring you out again. And if all these things then get mixed up, we talked about bad decisions. Imagine the winter makes you, causes you to make a bad decision and then someone burns you out, stresses your life, you know, like that from the devil. And then your mental health is fragile. Ah, it's, and these are the things we don't talk about. So when people talk about, oh, I've been here single two years, three years, there are reasons. Might be, an experience might be just opening yourself and someone taking you for you, taking you for idiot. No, it not about be... not being. See, in terms of being single, I've made up. I've made peace with that I'm going to be single for a long time because it's not fair. Now, let someone love you. No, 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 no. I'm not going to put myself through all of that stress. No, because where to start? Especially where you're the kind of person who is very particular about your dating pool. You don't want, you, you won't link up with just anyone, except you want to, you know, so what, except you want to be a hoe. That's different. <laughs> Even to be a self, actually, if you go, if you actually want to go into that topic, being a hoe also, there's a cultural nuance to it. <laughs> yes. kind of, it again, it's different, you know, with and yeah, I never had any business with dating apps before I moved to the UK. Yeah, us now. I mean, you have Twitter, you go for some poetry event, do open mic, someone is feeling your star, you have an exchange number, you push out, go. Well, it's it's just it was it's easy, or you go for what the fuck Lagos, or you go for you go to South, South Social. There's even a way someone is going to look at you on the street or inside bus somewhere. You know the person is feeling you and you can yeah. start conversation. You can start conversation. Oh, yeah, you're like, is this person looking at me because I'm a black person? Are they looking at me because... Why are they looking at me like that? Uh, I think like I said, uh, or the ones that... Oh, so 
my I think then I think my hinge bio put English and French as languages. So someone started texting me, thinking I'm from a francophone. It's going well. And then I reveal I'm Nigerian. And you need to see the tone of the text that follows suggested immense disappointment. The <laughs> responses became more syllabic and boom, they have unmatched. So it's and it's different. It's up to because I'm Nigerian. Like it's very we had we've just had banter and persons as again. I said Nigerian and I was blocked. And I was like, what the actual hell just happened? I'm so sorry. But see, it's, it's see, hmm? I mean, it's not our fault, but at the same time, it's not like our brothers are caught themselves in glory. See, I get it. It's 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 crazy. It's fucking crazy. I'm sorry. At least I was it blocks you. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. So you and like like you said, even for you know, you know, just being maybe libertine, it's you don't have and it takes time to study. Um, Again, for some people will find it easier than others to blend in. You are, at, you mean, you go for an event, you meet someone who sits at the end of town, it's like, ah, ah, you know, they have for me. Now, I think it's also a city, it's easier, or is it third that it's easier in smaller cities to link up as against a place like, say, Berlin or London, where it's like, I don't know, think it's the other everybody... way around because in smaller cities, you can easily get casted. I know, no, I'm talking at least the initial stages, like, oh, for example, a place like, I won't say Bristol, what will I use now? A place like Bra- Bradford is small, you know. There was this very was this funny Instagram. And also depends on the community, you know. I think for certain communities, it's easier to mix up shower. I mean, I could be wrong, but it's easier for people to link up, find attraction in certain communities. If you're not coming as a student, first of all, like, again, one zero, you're alone. <laughs> Yeah, there's no okay, community to latch on to. Yeah. And when you're like me, that my work is hybrid, you will not see anybody. And then you're in a big city. So certain things just work to your disadvantage. For students, it's 50 50. Um, but yeah. So yeah, let's talk about um, how you are trying to address the loneliness. So we've established being lonely. Now you realize I'm lonely. What do you do or what have you done so far to see if you okay. can? manage or be less lonely? Mm, I think I've been more, and this is a very recent thing, I've tried to, and trust me, um, I have had more fruitful conversations in real life than I've had on apps. So I'm focusing less on apps and actually going to places where you can just meet. I've noticed that if you go somewhere, you would, there's no way one person would fit into your life, even if it's by 20%. So, I think in the last couple of weeks, I've tried to snoop around for events that can pop in. Although the Africa Rights Festival in October made, you know, a few connections here and there, took some numbers, and just really just putting myself out there, searching. And you know, in if you're in Lagos or Abuja or Saba, someone talked about Googling for places to laugh at you. But yeah, act like actively look for that open mic event and pop in. You know, I'm looking for an open mic event that I will attend in maybe December or January. I'm actively looking now, uh, you know, so just me being, and um, the truth is in a place like this, for people like us in, you know, new terrain, you have to be a lot more deliberate in learning the culture and learning the people, learning 
the social nuances, how they're put. Because we, you can be here five years, and if you want to learn anything, you want to learn anything. You can be real to one spot in five years. It's always lonely. I mean, you'd be singing, singing the same song every year. So you have to choose. You could talk about the loneliness every year, which is valid, or you could kind of save yourself so you won't stop. You won't be begging someone to just call you every year. Yeah. And just be more deliberate. Okay, where do I go? What are the things I like? Will I... I may not find someone at the cinema, but... There's a film festival and they're talking about black films or queer films or, you know, films made by women or color. I could probably meet someone with similar interest and a conversation starts. And for me, what works is go, just try and start a friendship first or some network. Don't free, leave romance at home. Like, leave it. Don't free face. You're not, you're not, you're not seeing lucky. Free romance. So go with a very, very open mind with the desire to listen to someone, to learn someone, to learn stuff. You know, it's like um, people, and it is true, migration is like learning to walk again. So approach these places and these people as a student. You want to learn what the food is like. How do they smile like? Where are the places to go? Should I go to the Shoreditch pop on Saturday? Is it better to go to Tottenham Court on a Thursday? Where's the best place to get Sunday roast? So it's like, the way you are approaching your academics without curiosity, you have to be curious about where you are. I, th- I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense. And... I think from my experience, I think because I think I'm kind of lucky because I also have Nigerian friends here. Uh, It makes it easier because as much as I know, I don't think I would describe my situation as lonely per se. I think most times what I'm I'm alone. And also because I'm also an introverted person, usually I'm always, if I can have film to watch, have the time, I don't think I have any problem. I don't remember anything else. Well, having Nigerian friends here makes my life easy. But also what I think I also did, because when I realized making white friends have not been the is not the easiest, I tried to also increase my Nigerian community here. Because at least I know those ones, they will not move mad. Or even if they are going to move mad, there's a limit to how much they will move. And and at least you can you can check them if they move mad. You can yes. you, you know how to, you know how to go around, get around them if they move exactly. mad. Exactly. So like, it's easier or some it's easier to navigate. But like you mentioned too, it's Go for events, attend things that would help you network and meet other people. Uh-huh. But yeah. I, think, you know, I think beyond that, because you can attend 20 events, and if you're not curious about the places and people, you won't achieve anything. You will still, again, True. November, December, again, you still want to make more bad decisions. But you just have to approach. It's like how we went for NYSC, you know, people, someone get posted to Niger, Stibida in Niger, or Gets posted to like have China. Oh, oh, this place on Yan. You are, I guess it's also, I think again, it comes into play. It's trickier to be curious when you're like 45 than when you're 21 or 23. Yeah. Yeah. You got, oh, like, oh, let, let me try to sue for the first time. So you need to bring that young, wide eyed, curious you here. Not naive, but curious. 
I see what you mean. And I think that makes sense. And I think we have to unfortunately conclude at this point. But first, I have to mention it has been a very interesting and inciting conversation. So I'm going you to... Made, you made me talk plenty. Like, you just made me keep talking and <laughs> talking all the time. And I, I mean, it's, it's interesting. You know how to hold the conversation. And it's it's sweet, really. I felt very comfortable. And it's not something people get me to do regularly. So, Thank you very much for that. So I'm going to ask this last question. Given your experience, and um, what advice would you give someone who is thinking of moving to the UK, especially if the person um, is over 30 or around your age, and maybe okay. trying to explore the global talent visa? Okay. Um, this, again, yes, we'll probably spend a lot of time just, but yes, um, just be, act, and this is another thing that I have pro- a little problem with. Nigerians have a way of not helping with the information. So it, it was only one person told me about the global television. It was only one person who actually like went around to help me check my documents. So it's a thing of luck, but it's also you have to ask questions and hopefully someone comes through. So yes, ask all the right questions. For the global talent visa is open to people in tech, people in the art. So product manager, product designer, software developer, writer, actor, um, poet. No journalists, though. Mm-hmm. But yes, in the arts, dancers, fashion designers, painters, yeah. Um, you just need to prove that you have done valuable work in the past five years. Maybe you've had your work reviewed, or maybe you've been published somewhere of notes, or you've been nominated for an award, or you've been on some noteworthy panels. That's for those in the arts. Mm-hmm. And then for those in tech, I don't know the details, but I know it involves maybe having spoken, maybe at some TEDx, beam. Um, you also have to show that you have maybe owned a startup or been actively involved in the development of a product. So for tech, there's more specifics. For the arts, which you have knowledge of, is to be more maybe evidence of awards or nomination, proof of appearance, being published somewhere or maybe like for example being at a film festival or a literary festival that works and probably being interviewed about your craft and or having your work review like a book review for example counts yeah okay you gotta understand you will also need for those in the arts you need to let you need three letters of endorsement one from a uk business organization and one from a Nigerian based organization, and then one could be from an individual or a group. Um, for those in tech, they will get an endorsement from technician and some other um, bits of endorsements. Um, the first stage where you get an endorsement from either the Arts Council in England or technician would cost about £456. Translate that to Naira. Okay. And then stage two would be about 167 It's a lot cheaper than the student visa route. Yeah, and you have this, having the global talent visa allows you to work anywhere except in sport. And after about five years, you can apply for independent leaves to remain, permanent residency. So okay. if you get it, it's a nice ticket. You are not, nobody's telling you to apply for study after a year. Yeah, so it's better as a student rather than coming in is cheaper. It's just, you just need to prove that, oh, you've done valuable work in your field 
over the past couple of years, and that if you come to the UK, you'd be a valuable asset. Because when you come here, you will then have to, after maybe three, five or five years, show that you'll be making money in your line of work. So basically showing that I'm a tech guru or an artist, and I will be useful to the UK economy. Like, yes, I'm here, use me. That's all. <laughs> That's for the global talent. Um, then generally with other, just migration in general, I think it's just, first off, when you're traveling, please don't carry clothes from Lagos. Leave your clothes at home. You will buy them at Primark or so, or wheresoever <laughs> your country. Carry, hey, you can carry food. And when I say food, maybe like not, well, there's rice here and there's tomatoes here and there's pepper here. Okay, beans, maybe gary, and all the fish you like. If you had a cooking type, well, huh? so leave clothes at home <laughs> and buy food. So it will pay for excess baggage for nothing. I've had to throw away my clothes here. By the time I came here, I realized that the things I brought to use this, I started buying other things. So that one of the most serious notes, I think you actually need to be ask questions like you will, and asking questions before you come will actually help you and save you from being swindled by people, especially when it comes to getting accommodation. So it's the thing of no hoods in your, and obviously not everyone will be able, eager to help, but you find one person. Um, I think this is where, for all the flaws of, you know, religious organizations, I think they do, they think they do a good job in at least helping with accommodation for the first couple of weeks. Yeah. So, if you are in London, if there's um CCI or some Catholic church, that might help. But yeah, more importantly, pump. Um, it's not the time to be bashful. Come on, social media. Oh, I'm going here, 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 here. What do I need? What do I? Or maybe one of your followers mm-hmm. tweets a lot about London. Enter that DM. It might probably be a request for a while, but if they help, it's your life will be easier. You're a lot more inquisitive. You ask the right questions. That way, if I again try to ask the right questions, I would have known not to carry clothes. <laughs> or I would have known it's the first place to land in, not to carry a big bag and everything. Just it's your life will be again settling in will be relatively more seamless when you get more inquisitive. So ask the right questions. Um I would suggest that if you're on a free roaming visa or Maybe I just come in for work, for example. Try, if you don't have money, try the smaller cities. If, for example, you're on a skilled visa or a global talent visa, I would say try Birmingham rather than London, at least for the first couple of, for the first two, three months. Yeah. It's an example. It's not absolute. Obviously, if you get in, London is still where the nice opportunities are. So if you get a good job here, by all means, please stay here. But generally, um, yeah, you just need to ask. Um, Nigerians have a way we don't like asking questions and it will be your undoing if you come here and a lot of people come here and they're stranded they're sleeping on airports they're sleeping at um, train stations and then sometimes you are paying the wrong person for accommodation I guess swindled and you know in the end then it's already hard enough being in the environment your wills then become louder because oh now you're on the back foot because you got into an avoidable incident so, 
Yeah, I think that's that's pretty insightful. And thank you very much. I think it might actually be my longest episode so far, but I think it's also it important we have these conversations <laughs> and they've been interesting and there are things to learn. And I really appreciate you for your openness and thank you. Again, I mean, thank you for this. It's fine. I'm glad again you made me feel very comfortable, which is why I was able to keep talking and talking and talking and talking. So yes, okay. I'm grateful as well. Not just for the platform, but for the time and just the camaraderie and feeling of being, yeah, safe. So yes. Thank you very much for that. Now, if you've listened to this part of the podcast, thank you for joining. And I really appreciate you for um listening. If this is your first time, please check the previous episodes and tune in for the next one. And if you've been a repeat listener, thank you for joining. And I hate to mention that this season will be coming to an end soon, but thank you either way for joining. And I hope you enjoyed the rest of your day. Bye-bye. Bye.